Welcome to Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. Merging sacred sexuality, spirituality, and soul with truth, love, wisdom, and beauty. I'm your host, Elise Carr. Are you ready to come journey with me? Welcome, stunning souls, to Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. I'm your host, Elise Carr, and it's always a joy to share this time with you. Today, I want to talk about spiritual bypassing and spiritual materialism. There is a slight difference, but as you will see as we dive deep down the rabbit hole, they're very much interlaced. What you will also notice as we dive deep down the rabbit hole is that I could have called this show Avoiding the Real Work. What you're going to realize is that so much of the pseudo-spirituality that's out there might actually be stopping us evolving on the spiritual path. But enough of the intro, let's get into it with an amazing quote by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, who tells us, we become skillful actors and while playing deaf and dumb to the real meaning of the teachings, we find some comfort in pretending to follow the path. So the term spiritual materialism was created by Chongyam Trungpa Rinpoche. He used this to describe the grasping for material accomplishment in the pursuit for all that is spiritual. This concept has been shared down the ages. If we dig deep enough, we can hear the echoes of spiritual teachers and the wisdom teachings for centuries speaking of this sentiment that has long plagued us. Spiritual bypassing is a term created by psychologist John Selwood. Selwood used this to name what we see more than ever today, which is using spirituality or pseudo-spirituality to avoid the pain, unattained goals, desires and wants, and unhealed wounds and traumas. But what is everyone bypassing exactly? Well, perhaps you may find yourself angerphobic choosing only good vibes and affirmations. You may have weak boundaries and fall too easily for the next guru, course or event to save you. Be overly compassionate to the point of having no backbone or ability to say no, even if it's to yet another crystal or crystal bowl or oracle card set. Or perhaps you're seeing yourself as now being spiritually superior, especially after your most recent awakening. If we look at this from the perspective of psychology, and the field has come a long way, but we aren't there yet. Modern psychology has shifted from a study of the spirit to a pseudoscience studying the mind, from a focus on the development of how we identify to how we see the self as an object. Mystic psychologist Carl Jung, neurologist and psychoanalysis Sigmund Freud, humanistic psychologist Alfred Adler, and psychologist and philosopher William James all positioned the self as an object, ensuring the I was regarded as a thing. So what they call the ego and what in esoteric psychology we call the personality is what defines our roles in the material world. Just think for a moment what roles you play and how you identify or are identified by others. 
creating your identity from these roles takes you off your sense of the self within the superconscious realm. As the more you identify with the I, the less you identify with the witness. So we say witness, the dweller, the one mind, thoughts without a thinker, however you want to term it, all capture this superconscious state and whatever we deem source, God, creator, the divine to be. And if you believe no such thing, you may see this as your connection to your higher humanity, your North Star, guiding compass of moral values and ethos, ethics and altruism. Your primal animal or lower nature which modern psychology calls the ego, and as I said, esoterically we call the personality nature, dwells in the tangible physical world, the conscious realm. Here it, thus you, identify with all the shiny pretty things, the objects, relationships, challenges and triumphs, desires and wants of the material world. Where does this lead us? Spiritual materialism is this very process whereby the ego or personality grasps at the accomplishments, successes, faults and progress of the self upon the spiritual path. Thus, the dilemma is this act in its very nature denies your true self ever being seen, heard, held and connected with. It detaches you from ever knowing the truth love, wisdom, and beauty of your essence or light, your heart, your high mind, your soul. Instead, you are lured in to believe that this material self, your personality, your ego, is truth, when in fact it is nothing more than a mirage. It is this mirage that we call maya, glamour, and illusion, which all act as falsehoods or mere reflections of truth, leading you further away from that which you ultimately seek and long for, your connection with soul, the one soul, the one love, and thus at one mint with all that is. This spiritual materialism isn't far removed from New Age epidemic spiritual bypassing. You could say they go hand in hand like salt and pepper. That's why I want to share with you what you can look out for if you are falling into either spiritual materialism or especially spiritual bypass of avoiding the real work. If you can see yourself or perhaps those you care about clinging to the shine and glitz of the pseudo-spiritual circus while not actually committing to being witness, not meditating and studying the wisdom and truth teachings, nor embodying the authentic path that calls, All this avoidance or pleasure-seeking isn't authentically committing to spirituality as a way of life, no matter how much we dress it up in spiritual drag. So, let's explore a few stark realities that many of us at some point or another do or have fallen prey to when it comes to spiritual bypassing and spiritual materialism. Let's look at narcissism. For some, the line between narcissism and following your North Star all day, every day, is a thin one. Here, the self-centeredness can become excessive and all-encompassing, even if you're trying to heal and love yourself. Having an awareness that sacrifice for the greater good of all will be called for sooner rather than later, and that 
If you miss the signs, you could likely end up self-indulgent instead of serving. Try listening more than speaking. Pausing before you start telling the same story or repeating your me-first pattern and feeling into what can be most helpful for all involved before your well-meaning post-yoga catch-up with Chai becomes the you show again. I mean that lovingly, of course. Then we've got the spiritual groupie and storyteller. Let me tell you whose feet I sat before and who I heard chant live last week. Have you got a list of important spiritual people you've met, learned from, taken a workshop with? It may sound impressive to you, but to others, it may sound like you're one bus ride away from joining the other groupies of Almost Famous, the Uber Spiritual Tour. Because after the tour, you have to share your story of everyone you meet and all you learn to every yoga pant wearing friend at the next bhakti night. Interesting to some, perhaps. But I ask you to ask yourself, are your stories a shield which you hide behind to mask the vulnerability you feel of making deeper, more real human connections? Are they to entertain you so you avoid being alone with how you're really feeling and what you should be doing? World-renowned teacher, a.k.a. the guru trip. Have you ever noticed the disparity between spiritual teachings and the behaviour of such teachers claiming to be spiritual? There are some teachers out there who have not escaped the temptation to abuse power. What you can look for before you proclaim to have found your new guru is extravagant claims of enlightenment or healing, the dismissing or minimising of the dedication and commitment that comes hand in hand with any true spiritual or healing path, excessive commercialism and marketing bravado that betrays any deep spiritual message, and the blind adherence of followers, many or few, to such gurus, therapists, teachers, preachers or healers. You know, it is quite unfortunate with so much fraudulently and misguided promises and practices around the world, the deceitful double standards of some gurus, therapists and teachers have given training, study, teachings, mentorship a bad name and seriously tarnished the gift of truly learning from a trusted, wiser and more experienced guide. Gurus do exist. Great teachers exist. But you may want to first start looking at the one in your own heart before you spend all your time or life savings searching the continents of the globe. And if you are indeed ready for the right teacher, use your discernment and let their work speak for themselves if indeed they are willing and able to guide you to higher ground. Saint in waiting. At times along the way, you may feel like you're really getting this, accelerating at warp speed along the conscious path. You could even become unbearably profound with a growing sense of superiority and difference from mere mortals who have no idea what real spirituality is. Perhaps you're even destined for sainthood once you publish your first treatise, that is. If this is you... Perhaps you are suffering from a touch of grandiosity. 
And while there is a spectrum of spirituality, which we all stand along at some point today, bear in mind, it's not a competition. You are likely less advanced than you think you are, as that may well be a glamour you've yet to confront. And at the end of the day, you'll likely be back here for a few more times yet to nail all there is before you become a master, saint or Buddha. After all, no matter even if we are master of something, our humility reminds us we too are always students on the path and everyone is where they are today, some behind you, some ahead of you, but they are all part of you for we are all walking each other closer to the love and light that is us, serving all we can for those who are ready along the way, romanticizing the East and every sacred culture. We see this a lot in the West. Have you noticed? Romanticizing the ways, teachings and culture of indigenous communities and civilizations. It's kind of become the spiritual mecca, the go-to for more valuable, spiritual and wise. Many pilgrim to India, some Japan or wherever their leader in robes may be for the summer. It's interesting to note that Chogyang Trungpa shares, whenever teachings come to a country from abroad, the problem of spiritual materialism is intensified. That is a line worth meditating upon. And check in with yourself. Do you romanticize the teachings of the East or are you approaching them from a realistic yet of course respectful place. And then we have borrowing the light of other traditions. A little of this and a little of that, take a line from this faith and that culture and make it your life mantra. It's a modern seeker's equivalent of skimming the froth off your medicinal mushroom chino. When we lose or have little respect for the depth behind traditions, we trivialize the power the wisdom and beauty of such systems for spiritual growth. You know, we want so much to embody and have some of that, that in doing so, we not only lose the authentic meaning, we dare not pause to look deep enough and be able to touch the core and breathe in the essence of the beautiful gift that is before us. This is often because we're wanting everything now or yesterday and we rush. Have you ever done that? I have. When we dilute, cut and copy, rework and adapt certain traditions to suit us, what have we left of the message, meaning and essence? Perhaps in doing this, we miss the point entirely and all we have left is a drop of an ocean, which won't sustain us for long. Perhaps take a look at how you work with the wisdom or teachings you receive or what you've seeked out. Do you sit with, meditate on and contemplate their depth and the layers of wisdom? Or do you skim the surface on your eternal hunt for more, greater, shinier, feel-good experiences now? Superficiality. Ever thought today more than ever? I mean, just take a look at your Instagram and Facebook feed. The commercial spirituality movement sells superficial and prayer hands emoji answers to life's painful complexity and confusion. Just be positive, good vibes, just let it go. 
Let it go, let it go, let it go. Because that's so easy, isn't it? Actually, no, it's not. It's not as easy as these bumper sticker slogans and little jingles. Nor is it as easy as a one-hour charged crystal chakra aligned healing sage-waving chanting session may offer. Why not? Because ultimately, spirituality is then reduced to an empty shell you sit in to avoid the breaking down of the illusions of your life. Anyone who tells you that, A, maybe only thinking positively and calling on your guides always protects you from harm, or that there's something wrong or perhaps you're not doing it right or enough if you still suffer or don't make the mark, or that healing isn't often multi-layered and requiring dedicated work and often proper guidance along with a self-fortitude and commitment. Any of this, if anyone tells you any of this, they're offering superficial promises. There is nothing superficial about walking the path. For when you are walking, you soon learn it's far from good vibes, letting go and unicorns. It is work. High as a spiritual kite. This is the kind of high you get after going from a night at a circle to a workshop to a weekend immersive to then seeing a teacher speak and having them for 30 seconds after one-on-one. It is this honeybee flittering from one beautiful, ecstatic, loved-up, shrine-filled place to another in hot pursuit of staying in a perpetual state of spiritual high or, as we say esoterically, Astral amplification, the feel-good zone. Why do so many do this? Well, it's to avoid the flip side, the darkness and the shadow, the winter, the other self, the wounds and traumas, the pain and punishing inner voice yet to be harnessed. The dark night of the soul that will inevitably visit and revisit those doing the work. Staying sky high with a buffered astral body in any way defeats the purpose of a spiritual life, for it also stops you from being grounded, stable, and of service once you have come back down and faced yourself. Immediate breakthrough and transformation today. There's this seduction of self-examination, and then there is disappointment when you don't feel a giant breakthrough or a taste of enlightenment after you read the transformation book, you've done the course and attended the seven-day plus the three-bonus-day workshop. What? Where's my promised transformation? I cried. I broke down in front of everyone. I promised to make the changes. I spoke to the speaker one-on-one. I ate the vegetarian food. I wore the beads. I chanted. Where is my spiritual awakening? Well, my friend, it takes patience, hard work, and the will to show up every day to keep going, no matter what. And likely, you don't get praise, high fives, or love hearts along the way. How's this? The caterpillar does not stir until it is well ready to break through the cocoon. It built itself and with wings strengthened, fly off to new frontiers. And can I just share that any commitment to the path, whatever means, school of thought or variation you choose, which is 
really entirely up to you and very personal, demands years of study, if not a lifetime, or as many who walk the path would attest, lifetimes. Study along with application, which we call service, and meditation is seen as the triangle of certain schools who pursue a path of service through love, light, and wisdom. This is what I'm committed to, and while my school is said to take 9 to 14 years to complete, I'm committed to this as a way of life for life, as that is what living spiritually is. It isn't a Monday to Friday gig or a phase like neon leg warmers. It's a commitment you honour for you know there is no other way nor going back to living a life of selfish illusion. That's why I said it's big and it might not suit everyone and that's okay. But perhaps if the quick fix sounds like you, you could maybe even just gently make yourself aware of the difference between honestly and authentically disciplining yourself to a daily spiritual practice, however that looks for you instead of a variety of tradition sampling, let's call it, from this place and that person and this book and that workshop and the upcoming new and improved technique as if you were flitting from flower to flower like a honeybee, drunk on the nectar of each alluring bloom. Now this might sound harsh even to some of you, and if that is the case, Bear in mind, I'm not discarding sampling to find what works for you before you dive in. We all like to do that at some point. What I'm encouraging you here to do is see the difference between commitment and avoidance. Tantrums of the inner child. What if when you pray and visualize and manifest Allah the secret and all that jazz, You somehow, for some elusive reason, don't get what you want or that wish granted. What if I told you not getting what you want or that wish fulfilled is your answer? Knowing what you want and asking for it is an achievement as some of us are yet to even figure out what we want. So let's tick that box. Well done. Working for it, learning the ancient wisdom of true manifestation or even realising that what you want is for purely selfish gain. So if there is or isn't a higher power you believe in, it's still unlikely you'll be getting it anytime soon. Some may encourage a graceful acceptance of God's wisdom, when he giveth, when he taketh away. Insert she, if that makes you feel better. Others may say, if you are often finding yourself asking, why me? Or, why not me? To no avail, perhaps you're asking the wrong questions. Or placing your attention on that which isn't serving you or the path for your highest good. Also, believing that you will always get what you want is a glamour. More likely you'll get what you need when you are ready for it. If you seem to be getting the same thing despite doing all your affirmations, practices and good vibes, perhaps you are yet to learn what is trying to be taught to you. And until you do see or sense or intuit, you might feel like the repeat button is stuck down for some time with nothing changing. 
when this happens and the inner child throws a tantrum, perhaps what ultimately needs to change is you, my friend. Which again can sound really harsh, but here's the thing. Some of us aren't in the position to be able to control external circumstances, but what we can learn to control is ourselves. So you are not alone. This is something we all need to learn at some point. Moving on to self-improvement wanderlust. Hands up, who can't get enough of spiritual events? I mean, you've just left Burning Man, so you've lined up the next spiritual summit, a three-day retreat, your five favorite healers to work on you consecutively one day after the other, because that's never a bad idea. And then, well, then you've become obsessed with your own self-improvement, be that your victimization, your faults that need fixing, your fears that need freeing, your story that you have perfected, which you happily share everywhere you go. Somehow, instead of freeing yourself from all you so long to, you end up in a hamster wheel sporting lapis lazuli mala beads going nowhere fast. This narrow vision focus on the self can also lead you to social apathy or even a lack of care for humanity. If you find yourself here, you may well discover that so-called self-empowerment and self-healing won't lead to health and happiness of others and of society, let alone you. Certainly looking at me, my, mine and I cut you off from participating in the improvement of more than just you. Beyond obsessive self-seekerdom, there is an entire world of humanity out there that you could find a way to contribute to. Love and light and service you could offer to be of use in the world. In finding some inner harmony, a balance, you would then not just use the world for your constant gratification for yet another fix on self-improvement. You would be instead contributing, giving back, serving, Because sometimes less self-improvement wanderlust and more selfless service can teach and show you greater things about yourself than another retreat may. Just something to muse on. And keeping in mind, as Adyashanti tells us, enlightenment is a destructive process. It has nothing to do with becoming better or being happier Enlightenment is the crumbling away of the untruth. It's seeing through the facade of pretense. It's the complete eradication of everything we imagined to be true. So, perhaps instead of seeking more ways to fix and heal and mend and save yourself, you can see that in letting all this illusion crumble away, you may be left with a crack letting in just enough light to point you in the direction of truth. And may that include serving others. So tell me, who doesn't love a spiritual shopping spree? Can you ever have too much? Never. The lists of initiations, healings, alignments, awakenings, blessings, empowerments, and did I mention blessings? From teachers, gurus, saints, and light workers can be collected by some spiritual seekers, just like others may collect, I don't know, stamps, cars, pot plants, designer shoes. It's that need to feel you're getting somewhere greater 
that you're becoming better and somehow you're now more valuable than you were before because of it. It's like the spiritual gold star chart. Remember those, but I promise no practicing your times table is necessary. Just keep getting the stuff, receiving the blessings and alignments, and you'll pay your way to Nirvana one little gold star sticker at a time. Wouldn't far more of us be walking embodiments of the Christ and the Buddha by now if it was all that simple? Just saying. So if you are falling into the trap of collecting spiritual experiences, perhaps pause for a moment. See how that's working out for you. There's no ego in spiritualized. Ever seen someone come across as an imitator? Even if they appear to do it so very, very well. They look spiritual, whatever that means. They may even sound spiritual at first. They have an ability to create an alluring pull that makes others want to gather around them, and perhaps you too. They may even speak eloquent spiritual talk and appear to act mindful and detached from the suffering that others less advanced still grapple with. Yet if you scratch this shiny surface just a little, you'll reveal something very unreal about them. For all the knowing they may profess and the smile they smile while sharing a shiny message will always feel empty if you are awake enough to notice. They may well be the personality, the spiritual showman performing an applause-worthy performance, but it is all just an echo of a potential truth, a pretty polished exterior with not a drop of essence. The authentic spiritual teachings didn't quite make it to the stage, let's say. Be aware if you feel the pull to such a person in any regard, Because this can happen on the spiritual path, it can be personally, romantically, or professionally. Some people have a shiny exterior, and under the surface, they are not what they appear to be in the slightest. Here, you need your awareness to assess their integrity, and you need to find out what is your truth, and what is theirs, and do they sync up? Desires of magic and mysticism. Sometimes common sense can get cloaked in the smoke and mirrors search for magic cures and miraculous people. For some, there is a need to believe in all-powerful teachers, angelic visitations and crossed-over relatives guiding the way and other magic and mysteries. While there is much that does exist, it is not as commonly seen nor even understood as much as the illusions and commercialized mysticism that is sold to you wants you to believe. It is ideal to keep an open and sharp mind with an open and wise heart. Sometimes the pretty shiny axe can beckon you in, just like I've already said, and you want so much to believe that this master space clearer feng shui healer person really did just rid those five nasty spirits they said were hovering in your home or work with just a wisp of sage smoke and some mysterious blessings. But it just doesn't work like that, no matter how much you may believe or want it to be so. 
This is by no means denying the mystic path or those who have the training, mental power and ability to properly and safely wield white magic, but they are far and few between. I simply suggest you do your due diligence and homework before you hire, work with or connect with such a person. The powerful personality. Those who come across as being selfish and lazy, but tell you at the same time they're practicing being and taking care of themselves. Beware such so-called spiritual teachers with the powerful personality and lower nature that governs. This is an example of pseudo-spiritualism in the modern age. Some of these people who coin themselves as teachers may even verbally abuse their students, say they need to engage in sexual activity with them to heal them or help them. They may charge exorbitant fees, even leading to extortion. All the while, funnily enough, they somehow now have numerous abodes, cars, jewels and stuff since becoming such a teacher. And all the while teaching you to relinquish everything you possess to reach a point of divinity that apparently they can take you to because they live from that place. Even if at times their teachings may have merit and touch on wisdom, their actions on and off stage speak louder. And those actions are absorbed in the personality life of wanting power, money, fame, followers, acknowledgement and material possessions, not selfless service to the group greater good. This can be a hard one to pick in some and even harder to pick within yourself if you may fall prey to such a spiritual materialism glamour. So keep those eyes open and listen to any spark of intuition that tells you something doesn't feel right here. It could well be your higher self trying to warn you of such a person or of making a wrong choice. When we look at these different glamours and illusions of spiritual materialism and bypassing, we can see it's not always only a question of what, but often how something is conducted, how a person acts, in what way they're using spirituality as an escape from reality or a way to avoid pain and trauma, suppress or control a situation that they really can't control. Perhaps the way they thoughtless and carelessly resign themselves to being led by a guru as they pour their life savings into aid, said guru's school, while really guru is purchasing their next abode in Aspen. Or is it how you avoid or push away emotions such as anger, sadness, shame, envy and negative vibes to instead only focus on manifesting and being positive? all the while using spiritual terms to relabel your shadow, to smooth over doing the real work, as it's just easier and prettier and more fun to be in circle, chant with candles, sip ceremonial cacao in a group, then sit in your own pain and truly just be for a time, perhaps before seeking professional counsel and guidance. It isn't easy to see parts of ourselves that need work especially if we are blind to them, and most of the time we can be. 
We can even guard ourselves from seeing them and cracking them open to broad daylight. Or if we just aren't ready to face the truth and accept certain aspects of ourselves, those disowned, forgotten, ignored and pushed to the back of our minds, hearts and bodies, parts of ourselves, we rather numb with anything we can reach for, especially if we're told and sold that it's spiritual and good for us. But you have a choice. Even if it is hard, you always have a choice. To continue avoiding the pain, grief, sadness, hurt and trauma, those patterns you repeat that don't serve you and the cycles you can't break free from, even if you can't see them yet or don't show the rest of the world. Or you can sit in this shadow, this darkness, refusing to no longer deny it is part of what you are in this moment. You cannot be spiritual just because you meditate a little bit and hit the yoga mat a few times a month, but don't address the cruel temper that arises with your beloved and children. The path is not all good vibes, love and light and angelic music. As we're having a human experience, there is duality here on the physical plane. There is darkness and light, there is winter and summer, there is being and doing. Constant filling our days with doing to not acknowledge what is really going on in this modern version of life is actually a modern version of laziness. It's busy lazy or active lazy where your spiritual or professional schedule is so full and you're so busy doing, doing, doing. But what exactly are you doing? And where's it taking you? Are you any closer to knowing yourself, to connecting with what you really are, to seeing clearly, to making the right changes and evolving? Perhaps you desire to transform in a weekend or ascend with the masters, and this is what's blocking your ability to confront what is right before you, like your attitude, thoughts, habits, addictions, which need attention before you could ever reach those places you so long for, or at least say you do. Check in, maybe, and find out what are the motivations behind your spiritual practices. Do you do this just to feel better? happy, less alone? Is this what you really need right now? Or has it just become your comfy, regular, quick fix to lift you higher, buffer your astral body, that's your emotional body, so you don't have to sit in your emotions, the sadness, pain, hurt, and discomfort? I share this specifically to get you thinking and questioning. For what is the point of collecting more of something that isn't even you when you can begin to lose that which you think is you, even if temporarily you will have less or feel less you, you will ultimately be closer to what you really are. You're like an onion. We're peeling those layers off that don't serve, baby. So no more spiritual shields and armor to hide behind. Here, your personality, your not-self, can no longer disconnect you from your quality. If you are willing to begin seeing the difference and working toward mending the gap between your personality, that lower, primal desire, wanting nature, 
and that highest version of you, your soul. Because the self, which we call the personality, which perhaps you have been indulging with spiritual bypassing and spiritual materialism, is not you at all. It is a made-up, fabricated version of you that needs to be superseded ultimately by the heart and higher again by the high mind and higher again by the soul. This alignment in itself may take a lifetime for some, but to take the first step, you may want to pull back and cut out some of the unnecessary stimulation you're devoting yourself to and filling your days with. I see this as too much spiritual stuff and not enough spiritual substance. And it does not a spiritual life make, my friend. This will take not only time and thus your patience, but your strength of heart and the will of your mind to commit to. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again, the spiritual path is big freaking work. It is dedication and daily showing up to not only do the work, but then apply what you learn to make conscious changes, essentially to evolve so you can eventually light the way for others in whatever form that may take, while simultaneously continue your inner work for continual growth. The first line of the tale teaching can be translated to read, the tale is that which is nameless, or the tale is that which cannot be named. What you are seeking, let's say ultimately it's enlightenment. This is just a wisp of sage smoke. Spiritual materialism is your personality, your lower animal nature, trying with all its might to clutch at that smoke. Perhaps instead you can let the smoke just pass on by and sit in the discomfort of what lies within and ultimately needs processing and healing before you can find harmony in the duality of the path and the true work it requires if enlightenment or joy, bliss or truth, love, wisdom and beauty is indeed what you seek as you journey ever upward and inward to know thyself as soul. Being able to shift from the self to the witness and actually start to decipher ourselves, learn to know our truth, which means figure out our blind spots, figure out our patterns, our cycles, what's holding you back from being able to control that habit, that addiction that you can't seem to kick. These things are really hard. But in order for us to progress along the spiritual path, we need to figure out what they are and how to solve them, or we will never be able to evolve, no matter how many events we go to, how many healers we see, or any of that jazz. So if you're seeking to actually know yourself and understand how you can begin to kind of shatter these illusions and glamours that perhaps have been blinding you, then you might want to look into working with me and sacred guidance sessions one-on-one. Because like psychology for the soul, you can awaken from within and know yourself once some light has been shone, perhaps on some of those traumas, perhaps on some of the areas that you have actually avoided despite all the work you've done so far. 
So if you are ready to change your life spiritually, mentally, emotionally, sexually, or physically, wherever your challenges, traumas, or healing or growth lies, if there is a yes, then this is your invitation right now to come with me and journey together to help awaken you from within and know yourself as a soul, especially by banishing all those illusions and glamours that no longer serve you. I invite you to email me, elise at stellamuse.com to explore how I can assist your journey today. And as for today, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a joy, as always, to share this time and explore together. I trust you've taken a gem, if not a couple of gems away with you today to muse on, to contemplate, to sit with. Sometimes it can be confronting. Sometimes it feels like I'm not being super nice, but I always say these things from a place of love because I believe in you. I believe in your potential and I know with effort and commitment and time, you can make the changes you need to be that person you really ultimately long to be, the person your soul is trying so desperately to guide you towards being. So until next time, please take wonderful care of you and I look forward to connecting with you really soon right here on Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. Mwah.